Hello, ladies. Let's perch. Thank you so much for joining another episode of She's Free to Fly. Uh, today is such an exciting day. It's definitely exciting to me um, because I have one of my sisters, one of my mentors, one of my friends, one of my prayer partners, one of She is Every Woman on the podcast today, none other than Dr. Danette O'Neill. Um, Dr. Danette is a professor. She is a author, lead educator, HGTV alumna, entrepreneur, and trainer. Um, she has been in the real estate business for over 32 years. She serves as broker and owner of Danette O'Neill Realtors um, with offices in Greater New Orleans, Atlanta Metro. Dr. O'Neill was the Women Council of Realtors, Louisiana State Liaison for 2022. She was the state president for 2020 and 21 and was recently elected to the National Executive Committee, Yes, Every Woman. Dr. Danette is also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. She holds a PhD in Public Policy and Administration a master's in public administration, both from Walden University and a master's in community economic development from Southern New, New Hampshire University. Uh, Dr. O'Neill is a professor for Strayer in the schools of business and public administration. Yes, every woman. Dr. O'Neill now has six books on Amazon, now focuses her attention in supporting small business growth through executive and business coaching strategic planning, and the facilitation of a range of leadership and development programs. And may I just say, Dr. O'Neill is the person that will push you off the mountain and make you fly. And if you don't, she's going to push you again. And you better fly that time. <laughs> if not, she's going to give you five minutes to catch your breath. Only five, okay? The next time, while she pushes you on a mountain, she's going to tell you to pedal the bike at the same time because I believe she actually does that, okay? okay. Um, so I welcome my sister, friend, prayer partner, um, my encourager. She motivates me more than you ever know, more than she'll ever know. Um, when we sit back and watch her, we like, I don't know how she does all that. Like she is in this state, this city, back and forth and she still makes time for her family all of the time she still makes time for her relationship with christ all of the time i remember one day she sent those pictures because she had officiated a wedding on her back patio because the pastor or somebody didn't show up and i'm like what she is every woman so i present to you my sister friend um the light, 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 Dr. Danette O'Neill. So, thank hey, you. Danette. Yes, thank you so much. My goodness. But you are biased because we are friends. And um, so half of that stuff, um, I probably owe some money for paying. Um, you know, thanks to um, the Barbie movie, um, CNN has um, named this the Summer of Girl Power. Okay. It's definitely. Um, it's definitely pink. You know, so okay. it's it's our time to um we've been shining. I think it's just our time now that um 
people see um, what a contribution we have as women, not just to society, but in the kingdom, you know? And so um, how you do it? Grace. You know, that's all I can say. You know, when you can be in three different time zones in a 24-hour period, I'd be tired. But it's called grace, you know? You keep moving. You keep it going, man. You let us know that it's possible. Yeah. You let us know that it's possible. You let us know that it's possible. So before we get into, you know, the meat of it, can you just bring us, how did you become Dr. Danette O'Neill? What was that journey like? So that when you are sharing your, you know, your areas of expertise, like we know really where it's coming from. I know, but I want the listeners to know, like, who is Dr. Danette as a woman? That was a childhood dream um, to be doctor. I didn't know a doctor what, because at that time it was just being bossy. Okay. okay. But it was. But and it you was, still bossy. I'm trying not to. You, she's still bossy, y'all. I just call it um, creative push. Okay. And, uh, and so, um, but I knew I wanted to go back. I had a passion for community economic development. And, um, but I could not go back to school. Well, Hurricane Katrina was a total disruption. We now see- You're from New Orleans. Right, I'm from New Orleans, um, evacuated to Georgia. We set up, opened here. We had a good base of friends that was here and and family, extended family that helped us get open again. We returned to New Orleans about three years later um, and opened fully. Um, We had a little skeleton uh, crew prior to then. Um, I got my license in 1991. And um, in fact, this month, 1991, and had the, um, yeah, yeah, 1991. That's amazing. And then um, I had an opportunity to do some things. I had my own show on PBS that actually opened this month in 1991. Opened my own brokerage in this month, September, um, and um, but I, because the children, um, two boys, were athletes and they were very good at it, and so I was traveling with them, and I could not go back to school, um, even okay. though I, it, it was always in my ambition. I was a lifelong learner. I had a lot of designations, but the formal degrees I did not have, and so. Okay. When the oldest one was graduating from uh, high school, well, when he was graduating from college, I seized the opportunity to get the first master's. From there, I saw it was actually possible for me to earn the PhD. Um, Along that journey, um, and so the first master's is in community economic development. My passion has always been in urban policy and creating opportunities and working with disenfranchised communities. And along the way, um, I was able to get a second master's, which is now called an MPA. It's a master's in public administration. And that's the area that I teach um, in higher ed at Strayer um, and in, in various other schools. And then the path was, I took advantage just like uh, Mariah did of studying abroad. I studied at the University of Madrid. I took those residencies. I took the residency in Paris uh, twice. I went to um, uh, 
Minnesota University of Minnesota twice. And so that propelled me. It, the exposure that I gained and the access to professionals, it was like a propeller. And so I was able to get a PhD in just 30 months, which is really unheard of. Yeah. And so, um, and that's when a whole nother uh, area opened up for me. Uh, in the traditional PhD program, you write, you write, you write, you write. And so that unleashed another talent that I didn't know I had. And out of that started the books that are now two of them are bestsellers on Amazon. And it started a teaching career. So my passions became another service that I was able to give and another source of income. And I was still able to stay inside of my discipline, which is real estate, mm -hmm. because that connected all of the pieces together. Yeah. And so from there, um, leadership opportunities just came. Just being in the right room, being aggressive when I needed to, walking up to strangers, asking for help, um, introducing myself in a crowded room when I knew nobody, getting on stage, praying yeah. for opportunities, and it just happened. You know? Just happened. Mm -hmm. You just happened. You just right. happened. It didn't just happen. You just happened. Um, some of our listeners, um, because I've been getting a lot of feedback and people calling and texting and emailing and leaving comments, some of our listeners are in their late teens. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what was your mindset in your late teens? I was always working. So my first job was actually at 13. I okay. had an Avon route. And right. of course, I was too young to work. I got the job without telling my parents um, because I wanted to have my own money and I wanted to buy my own guitar, acoustic guitar. Okay. And so it wasn't until I had accumulated about $800 of checks. Okay. And I couldn't cash because I was using the cash to keep buying product. Right. Until I had to tell my parents, and of course, they couldn't get mad. I had $800 of uh, right there. Okay. That's right. So I've been working literally since I was 13. I worked all through um, high school. Um, I've always been good with the creative side. So I learned how to sew from a, from a Madiste. Um, and I learned um, tailoring. So I made wedding gowns and costumes and uh, choir robes. And so that was a good little source of income for me. And that carried through. So probably about 20 years ago that I don't have time to sew professionally anymore. I just But you sew personally, and I've seen you put some pieces together that look like they came off a sex rack, okay? Yeah. I've yeah. seen I you do it. something inside out in the store and see what I can make out of it. You might see this jacket tomorrow with, with some type of fringe on it and things like that. So, so my first job then, um, I got out of school when I was 16. So I finished school two years early. I was okay. short of um, units. I needed one unit from Junior Achievement. And that led me to work um, as legally, okay. <laughs> you know, as a 15 to 16 year old to get that extra unit. And so it, it was nonstop. I worked through college. I had the, the work study jobs in college. Okay. I still sold in college. And that led to, I, I can remember being a young woman with with um, when the kids were toddlers and I was still on the machines at night with right. an assistant um, helping right. me. And we made money. We did 
costumes for the carnival parades and okay, you know, okay. and things like that. And so mm -hmm. that's still a, a, one of the things that I really, really enjoy. I don't have time to do it professionally. Um, not as good at it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that sustained me and my family. And that was a good uh, side hustle. You know, okay. um, um, they like to call it gig economy now. That's the word right. for it. You right. know, so, so that was the gig at right. that time. Right. And you've been able to maintain this lifestyle both as a just from woman to woman as a married married woman, but also as a single parent as well. You've been exactly. able to do both of those things. Exactly. I became a single parent when the kids were three and six. Mm -hmm. so that was pretty young. And I I had businesses going. Um, yes. At that time, I had a children's clothing store in two locations in New Orleans. Wow. Um, the real what estate is off. I was a securities broker and um, I was selling insurance and um, I was I was I had to hustle. I had to find a way to hang on to what we had and to replace that income. Yes. You know, yes. and still make sure that the children were well balanced. Yes. Um, missing yes. that parent, that other parent out of the home, uh, making sure that all of their needs was met. And I fell short many times, mm -hmm. um, but I would never discuss it with them. I just thought, yes. just made them think that was the norm. Now they're 36 and 30, they're 35 and 38 now. So they, they're giving me little clues that they knew what was really going on. They just didn't say nothing. They just went along. Now they have children of their own and they're seeing what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They, understand, they understand the struggle. I'm not sure if they appreciate the struggle, but they yeah. understand the struggle. They do. You know? They do. Yeah. The way you show up for those guys, man, I know they, oh, they definitely appreciate yeah. it. Yes. I indeed. know they do. You better um, be in fans when they turn around on the football field. Yes. Because they're coaches now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Um, before we leave this, what would you say to a parent, um, whether it be mayor or a single parent, who's trying to juggle work and business and entrepreneurship and children and supporting them and being there? What would you something that you would love to say to them? Well, if, if it comes a time in um, and we talked about this the other day, um, that you need to make a hard stop and see where you are and where you are deficient. And okay. sometimes just like re reset the computer, every now and then I have to reboot the computer. You yes. may have to just reboot. And in yes. that rebooting, maybe you need to get an appointment book because you never operated with one before and okay. start writing down the list of things that you do every single day. Two reasons. Number one, you need to time manage yourself. But the second thing is that you need to celebrate yourself for all of the things that you actually are doing and accomplishing. Right. Yes. You know? It's like we can hold the baby, talk yes. on the phone, and give the baby the bottle and use the other hand to stir the pot in the kitchen. Yes. That's a yes. skill yes. set that's given to women only. Now, yes. a lot of men have to do it for various yes. reasons. Maybe there's a loss of a spouse, there's a divorce, they become the parent. There's yes. a disability in the family yes. and they have to do it, but we have it naturally. God gave us that. Okay. okay. And so first, first write it down, reboot, write down what you're doing and start celebrating yourself. Number mm -hmm. two, when you find those deficiencies, 
you need to get some help. And mm-hmm. there's plenty out of a lot of times pride in the in the black household, we are taught not to reach out for help because it's our family business. But mm-hmm. you may need to ask people for help, be it money, be it resources, be it um, it could be how do you do that? You have four children. And I see you and you're, they're always on time. They eat dinner at six o'clock every evening. Their homework is already done. Can I ask you how you do that? You know, you may, you may need that. And then another thing is that we need to have mentors. Yes. And I had mentors. I had senior women outside of my yes. family that yes. I could go to and talk to that were mentors. Man, didn't you preach and keep going? I'm listening. <laughs> Stop. I'm you not know, listening, but I'm listening. And, and, and they would guide me. And so I was keenly aware. I became keenly aware um, of when I was on overload or when I was approaching mm-hmm. overload mm-hmm. so that I could make a hard stop and reboot again. Right. Right. You know, a lot of us, I don't get days off. Some weeks I don't get a day off. But what I started doing was scheduling half days during that day. Okay. Okay. And maybe during that half day, that was my time and still is my time to go get nails done, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. go get a facial or go get a foot massage. It's little things like that that mean a whole lot. And that could be your reboot, but you need to find out what your reboot is. You know, mm-hmm. I stopped looking at the phone in the morning. Yeah. So I used to roll out of bed and go straight to the phone because I just know I have text messages there and phone calls. And I don't do that anymore. That's I do what I have to do to self-care in the, in the bathroom in the morning, make the bed, put my clothes on, and then I look at the phone. And yes, yes. some things do need immediate attention, and I do miss it. And yes. then I have to call and say, hi, I'm sorry, I'm just getting your message. I'm here now. Come on, let's, yes. let's get to it. So there's a lot of things that we need to be doing as women that we don't take time to reboot. And you sleep better. You know, I'm so glad you shared that because I remember experiencing a season like that too. Like I opened my eyes and I'm like this. And then I would notice I would have headaches that would start first thing in the morning. And then I got to the point where... And I've gotten out of it, but this is a reminder that I need to get back in the habit mm-hmm. of charging my phone in my bathroom versus next to my bed. Yeah. Because yeah. that's going to make me get to it even later. Um, and I, I slept better when the phone was not next to my bed. Right. Well, yeah. we know that um, in this technology age, a lot of the automation of our homes come through our phones. And so right. we do need to be sensitive to the ring that's ringing because it could be somebody ringing the doorbell or trying to get in. And so, um, but you have to find that balance of when you're going to silence it and then, Mm -hmm. and not silence it. So you may miss an emergency phone call. So that's always the risk in that, but your mental health, you got to cut it off and you have to make it known to people. You know, I stay up late, but I don't allow people to call me late. Okay, right, so you have right. to set some boundaries of how right. you're going to work. Right, right. Man, thank you so much for sharing all that. Really, really thank you, because I know it will be useful to someone. So thank you so much, whether today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the one thing I love about She's Free to Fly. It allows us to 
put some things in the vault and put some things in the YouTube treasure book, mm -hmm. you know, for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Put, you know, really, really put some things in the toolbox. So thank you so much. Um, all right. So tell me about the history of women in the real estate industry. Well, the National Association of Realtors was actually founded in 1908. Okay. But women could not get in. It was actually founded as a men, 100% of it was men organization. And it okay. wasn't until 1938 when one woman in Chicago um, said, enough, we want membership, we need the education, we have to make a living. And, and so in 1938, the Women's Council Division, it was called the Women's Division of NAR back then, was born. And so since then, it was especially designed to educate women to serve the communities okay. that they work right. in, education, to develop them personally and professionally. And mm -hmm. so um, I've had um, the honor of serving um, as the state president a couple of times, um, mm -hmm. state liaison, which is a, a governance position. And now on the national level, I'm on the executive committee where we um, visit and revise and hone in on uh, what is needed nationwide still to educate realtors, um, uh, self-care for us, yes. making sure that issues that, uh, that um, affect uh, women, households, women female-run households, making sure that they're equal pay for us because there's not we still only earn 72 cents on a dollar, even in real estate. It's still a male. We outnumber the men, but we still don't make as much money as the men in real estate. So we have quantity, but no quality. <laughs> we don't have equity. We don't have equity. That's we yes. Yes, we don't have equity. And, and that continues to be a problem. And so thank you for that correction. We have the quantity of women, but we don't have the equity in the industry. That is got correct. it. Got that it. Mm -hmm. Got it. That is okay. Okay. What makes women like really? So what allows so many women to enter the industry, but what prohibits them from receiving the equity out of the industry? Well, the real estate industry period offers flexibility. Okay. okay. Um, um, so I, I say all the time, I'm the chief cook and bottle washer sometimes mm -hmm. in my real estate office. That means that I'm the fax girl. I'm the copy girl. I'm filing all while I'm negotiating some of the biggest deals. Mm -hmm. inside of mm -hmm. the state. Okay. And so um, it's easy to get in. You don't, okay. need a, you don't need a college degree, a four-year college degree. Um, sometimes you can get in with just a thousand dollars. You okay. go to real estate school for a couple of hundred dollars. You pass your test, you get your business cards, and typically you can get in with a thousand dollars and be your own boss. That is a good entry for women who want to be, um, entrepreneurs. We're good at it because we okay. innately, we talked about our God given, uh, talents that God gave us is that we're good organizers. Um, and, and 
real estate, there's a lot of moving parts. And we're used to doing that inside of our households. Right. You know, taking care of the kids, vacuuming, making sure Susie's at dancing school, Buster's at karate school, uh, making sure dinner's on the table, making sure the floor is vacuuming, starting all yes. over the next day. Okay. Yes. Um, we are resilient. And that comes yes. back all the way from when it brought the slaves from Africa. We right. are resilient. We, we are resilient. We know how to make, uh, take a pound of ground meat and make four different meals out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. um, we have good problem solving skills. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, and, and that leads that we have attention to details and those are mm-hmm. our, those are our natural talents. Now I'm speaking in general, of course, right. I'm stereotyping, but those are the way that I think and I know that God designed us to be. And so those are all the, the check boxes that make the reason why women are great realtors, because there is a lot of detail in this. Now, the, the, the encounters is number one. Safety. Hold on. Before you get to the encounters, let me mm-hmm. say one thing to our listeners. For any woman that's listening, and you heard her talk about those strengths, if you feel that you don't possess those strengths, I encourage you and I implore you to sit down and be still and have some time with yourself because it is in you. Mm-hmm. It is in you. Yeah. Identify those things that may have taken some of those strengths out of you. Take the time to process those things so that you can regroup and be the person that you were called to be. And it is in you. Sometimes it goes back to early childhood. Sometimes it goes back to parents. Sometimes it goes back to relationships. Like there are so many things that we can deal with as women that eat away from us, but we have the power to create. So because we are creators, we can start with just a little bit, just like she said, and we can create that in ourselves and we can grow from that. Right. And I just really, really want to share that um, with everyone. Because those are the things that make you free to fly. So, all right. So now, the encounters, Dr. Danette. So the challenges are still some gender, gender-based gender obstacles okay. that we face. Um, um, we typically are passed over for some high-level positions and leadership opportunities in real estate. Um, we don't get the CEO positions, unfortunately. You know, we are the worker bees, you know, and, and like I said, right now, we typically get about 72 to 78 cents on a dollar versus um, what the men make in our industry. Also, um, one of the one of the, the pluses and the minuses is that for a lot of women, this is their second career. All right. And so um, statistics also show the average age of the woman, the female realtor right now is 56 years old. Okay. Right. And for some people that seem like a senior citizen, the older I get, the more, you know, but the average age is 56. So that tells us that we have a lot of women entering the career now. And what complicates it too, um, is that they're also caring maybe for aging parents at that age. Okay. Yeah. 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 And they also, they may be out of the workforce and this is very, very different. And they have to learn a whole new um, 
area, uh, a whole new field. But how do you do that? Number one, you need to leverage your connections. Everybody you know need to know that you are in real estate. You cannot be a secret agent. You cannot be shy. You got um, number two, you need to find a mentor early. Okay. In somebody that's in the same field, someone who um, may have transitioned from another career, somebody who you see juggling and, and doing that juggle very, very right. well. Right. Um, number three, you need an online presence to demonstrate okay. your expertise. It amazes me that how many realtor professionals are not savvy with even the internet. But we are in that age where you need that online presence in there. You need to choose a brokerage that values inclusion and equity because that's how you're going to grow and, um, and, and values diversity. Um, and you need to consider, um, learn all you can um, about the different careers in real estate. Everybody doesn't have to list and sell a house. We have people who specialize in just land, resort properties, property management, leasing. There's a lot of different specialties, about 15 different specialties inside of the real estate field. Um, okay. And you find one and you stick to it. Um, okay. I think a lot of people go wrong because they don't plan. They don't create a plan for the transition, which mm -hmm. means you got to, <laughs> you got to carve out time in your schedule because you're doing a lot of reading, a lot of learning. You're going to be okay. going to conferences, uh, um, continuing education, and you're doing all of that while you're still keeping your household. And then the last thing is that you have to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. The opposite of failure is not success. The opposite of success is not failure. All right. We're going to have, you're going to have stumbling blocks almost every single month, a deal that we can't get done. A client who's not attentive, um, uh, a, a, a real estate product that you can't seem to twist or bend to help your clients. It may be a hurdle that you may have um, with learning, um, a conflict that you may have in your office. But the important thing is that you have to just keep it moving forward. Keep it moving forward because you almost never arrive. And that's why I say you have to trust yourself. Yeah. All right. You have to trust yourself. And unlike other careers, the real estate profession don't have an income cap. That's true. Okay? That's true. So, all right. That's true. You own your own business. You are changing people's lives, making their dreams come true, giving them a shot at having some equity to pass down for generations. You are very, very important in the universe. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm I'm thinking how you're talking about the real estate industry, but the skill sets and the characteristics that it takes to be successful, that flows to so many different industries, so many different industries. Like, you know, my background is accounting and tax. That still flows to the accounting and tax industries. When I think about the things that would make me stronger or my business stronger, it is definitely some of those things. When I think about you know, other industries. It's the exact same thing. Just the the world we live in is a tech world. It's, it's a relationship world. It is, you know, people seeing you and being visual, um, which is very important. And it also made me think about my childhood. So growing up, my mother was in real estate. 
And I saw her running around and doing all this stuff all of the time. And I, when the deal goes bad, I saw that. When the deal goes good, I saw that, you know? Um, and I just remember those things. And for years, you know, then that I would tell you, I am not doing real estate. I saw my mom doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I think about what I do as a profession in accounting, Mariah has watched me stay up late nights, overnights and all that kind of stuff. And my daughter's like, nope, mommy, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And um, I tell her, I say, lady, it's a skill set that nobody can take from you. You can always go make a dollar. That's right. It's the exact same thing with real estate. It's a skill set nobody can take from you and you can always go make a dollar. That's right. You can have a positive impact on someone's life. That's right. And but you have to be a student of the market. This is not um, we have a lot of part timers in the business, but this is not a part time thing because even and that's why I don't like to use the word part-time because even okay. a lot of part-time are still put in 30 to 40 hours and sometimes even more per week. So right. I, I like to use, Hey, I have another income source instead of yes. calling um, some of the agents part-time. You have to be a student of the market. And, and okay. so like accounting, we have to stay up on what is Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae doing? What are the GSTs doing? Um, if, if the stock market is going crazy, I know the rates might be crazy the next day. Okay. I have to pay attention to, I'm watching Bloomberg, listening to Bloomberg in the XM radio in the morning because yes. I need to know what the dial opened and closed with the previous day. I need to understand cryptocurrency and its relation to real estate and become yes. good at it. And so there's a lot of um, moving parts in real estate. Again, you have to find your niche, but mm-hmm. it's, just not buying and selling houses. That is not how this industry works. You know, mm-hmm. you have to understand what it takes for a client to be pre-qualified. Understand ratios. Um, sometimes the client that makes a hundred twenty thousand dollar house cannot buy. I mean, a hundred twenty thousand dollars a year cannot buy a hundred twenty thousand dollar house. Right. It depends upon how much debt they have. You know, yes. insurance is a factor. And that's mm-hmm. why we be active politically. Um, your realtors, we have a very, very strong pack nationwide. Okay. We give to candidates who um, understand and right. promote fair housing, equitable real, equitable real estate um, laws and policies to advance real estate, trying to keep the banks out of um, real estate. When I say out of that, out of real estate from being realtors. You know, and so we have to look at all of those things and how it affects our livelihood and the services that we've been groomed, that we've been trained to give to our communities. It's a difference. It's a different. Corporate knows one thing. The, uh, the actors in Congress, they know one thing. They're looking at budgets. They're looking at the economy. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Green, Alan Green's. Greensburg, Greensburg. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, we just think it's utterly ridiculous to keep raising the interest rate. It has crippled our industry. Okay. They're using a old model. They're using a model from the 1950s to determine when to raise or lower interest rate. That does not work. Um, yeah. The economy has slowed down some, but it has not slowed to the point that they think 
thought it was. And what's happened is that he has slowed down the market considerably. And if real estate makes the whole world go around, what's happened? He's taken the buyers out the market. He's crippled the commercial industry. Market rents are so high so people can't afford to, to rent. You have more homeless people now than what you had yeah. in the pandemic. Literally. And so, and so a realtor needs to be a student of the market so that you understand the shifts and you mm-hmm. also understand how you can sell in what they call a market correction, so to speak. Okay. Okay. All right. That's that's good information. So that has me thinking like even some of the economic downturn of the economy post-COVID is not necessarily all due to COVID itself, but can be partially due to economic policy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can have a president that's in office that cares about popularity, that keeps the interest rates down too long, Mm -hmm. too low. Mm -hmm. We made a lot of money and Mm -hmm. real estate was good, but what it did was it drove the uh, the prices of real estate up very very fast. Okay, right. and so we we took a look at that while we were enjoying the commissions. We like, oh oh, this house over here was two hundred thousand dollars last year, and now right. it costs two ninety. Yeah, and so we yeah. are priced out of our own neighborhoods now. Yeah. That in the combination of um, uh, lack of affordable insurance, we cannot mm-hmm. afford to live and insure houses in the neighborhoods that we grew up. And so Tell you the truth. sell your house now, Deshonda, for 400000 but you're going to use mm-hmm. 100% of the equity to find something else. And the that, market- You know, that's one of the things that has kept me from selling my house. I'm like, I can sell my house and make great money, right? But where do you go? It just doesn't make any sense. Where do you go? Because you'll find something the same square footage or less yes. for the same amount of money. Yes, and exactly. you still have to compete to exactly. be able to get it. Exactly. And it's just a weird market right now. There are price ranges that are moving that um, that we are surprised. You know, okay. the 650000 to a $1.2 million are moving and people are paying all cash. Okay. And the low to moderate income, those are the people that shopping in TJ Maxx mm-hmm. okay, that have the charge cards that are spending, that's driving the late model cars. They mm-hmm. can't afford to stay or even to buy a $300,000 house right now. Okay. So, and that's why I say real estate is a career. It is not a pastime. All and right. so, yes, there is, um, there is a great need still for part-time agents, but it's not a pastime. Okay. You have to be de- a dedicated learner. You have to know when to capitalize on the market and when to still um, uh, use these market corrections, so to okay. speak, mm-hmm. to, um, to contribute to home ownership. Like renters right now, we have soft second money all over the place. Okay. You know, in, in Louisiana, where, um, New Orleans, where I'm from, we have $65,000 that we can give you to buy a house. 
that eliminates down payment and closing costs. Come on, it's a no-brainer. In the city of Atlanta, twenty-four thousand. We have the Georgia Dream, seven thousand five hundred dollars. And if you are a first responder, and that includes teachers and EMS workers and firefighters, it's ten thousand dollars. These are monies that's there that knocks eliminates the down payment, eliminates yes. the closing costs or the closing costs. VA now you can go up to eight hundred thousand dollars and a veteran and buy a house right here in Georgia. That's that's unheard of. You have you have companies like Navy Federal that have eliminated the private mortgage insurance. That's mm-hmm. helping buyers, renters. Yes. You have yes. investors now that want to expand their portfolios. So what happened? The lenders now have this 80-10-10. You put up 10%, you can get the person that's selling to put up 10% of your down payment. And then they're loaning you 80%. We have investors who are entrepreneurs that either get paid in cash or they have cash business. Well, we have bank statement loans that they'll buy and they'll take the average of your 12 month or 24 month bank statement and consider that as income. We have loans that's not FICO score driven. We have Mm -hmm. investors that's buying businesses now that as long as you have a portfolio or pro forma that is showing a business that you're trying to buy is making money and it has to make sense and you can show three years of that, you can get the loan and that's a 70-30. That means that it will loan you 70% and you only have to put 30% down and only show a pro forma and it's not credit score driven and they don't care anything about your past. Cryptocurrency. Mm. We have people buying houses with cryptocurrency. Okay? okay. So we've had some bad actors. We ha- we have we we're always going to have bad actors as yeah. long as we live and breathe. There will be someone or something or some machine that's going to find a way mm-hmm. to, um, to 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 implement some version of fraud. To try to squeeze the system. Yes. Squeeze the system and they get away with it a lot of times. And so people Mm -hmm. clam up and they're afraid. But cryptocurrency, that train has left the station. Yes. And people are holding on to their coins and they're using them wisely and they're sitting down waiting for the market to go right back up. And we're learning how to buy and sell property using cryptocurrency. That helps us um, provide an interest to. to foreign borrowers in other countries okay. that's investing yes. right here. Atlanta's the gateway city. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect mm-hmm. place to be, mm-hmm. you know, to be creative and create some opportunity, you know? Okay. Man, told y'all, man, she, that is such a wealth of knowledge and information. Um, we, we spoke about like regular homes like mine. What is black home ownership like right now? Black owner, home ownership is still lagging at about okay. 47% versus um, white home ownership. And when I speak of white, I'm saying non-Hispanic. Okay. And so African-American and people of color that are realtors, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work for us to do. Number one, we are in we are in the perfect place at the right time right now to educate um our people, our communities, disenfranchised communities about the values of their properties that they already have, helping them to understand gentrification, helping Mm -hmm. them to understand the tools 
out there that they can become investors themselves. Real okay. estate is the single, the pretty much the only thing, the largest that has the largest capacity to hand down wealth, to transfer okay. wealth for generations and generations. We've seen it time and time again. The Rockefellers, yes. the Kennedys, there's a lot, the Schmitz, it could be the Browns, it could be the Lucases, mm-hmm. you know, who mm-hmm. have the ability to acquire the O'Neills, you know, yes. who have the ability to acquire and hold the real estate and rent it out and and repurpose the land and then pass it down for generations. That's what we are lacking in the okay. Black community. And so okay. real, realtors of color, we have a unique opportunity yes. to teach people about what they have and how to get more. Yes. You know, and, yes. and, and develop. So th- there's an initiative um, now called, um, it's uh, 3 by 30. And so what it is, is that by 2030, they are hoping to increase Black home ownership to 3 million. Now, that right. is just Black. That is not, the Hispanics are a little bit behind that number. Okay. But okay. they're moving up too. Yes. All right. And, and and so this and, and why are we lagging? We're lagging because of redlining. Yes. We're lagging because of racial uh, uh covenants. We're lagging. Does red, because, wait, I'm sorry, does redlining still exist? It doesn't in theory. Okay. But it exists. Yes. You know ma'am. when you're not wanted in a neighborhood. You know when yes, the, the rules are so stringent that you can't get into that neighborhood. That or, is a form of redlining. That is a form okay. of redlining. Okay, it's silent. Um, I call it dog whistles. Okay. Um, we don't have enough um, black appraisals, right. appraisers to get into the business to okay. help move that. We don't mm-hmm. have enough um, black legislatures and enough black agents that um, that want to assign themselves to our, our request um, to be put on committees. Okay. To work with candidates, to um, to get involved in politics, to help make the change because the yeah. money's been so good. Okay, we haven't had time to do anything okay. else but enjoy it for the last right. three years. Okay, right. plus we—I don't know if we've done—we've done a good enough job at teaching the other agents who are coming in what we do on a governmental level. They okay. see us at these conferences. And and I, I was telling somebody the other day, man, and we post a picture about uh, with us playing charades. That's at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when we're so tired, we just got to release scene. They don't see us all day on Capitol Hill, meeting with congressmen, meeting with senators, state representatives. They don't, they don't see that it took us days to even get those appointments and then they rush us out of there. They don't, right. see, they don't see the briefs that we prepare. Um, the talking points that we prepare, and they don't come um, to learn it. And so I'm not sure that some of us have done um, a well enough job at communicating that if I was not on Capitol Hill, you may not have been able to sell that house. Yes. Or, okay. or you may not, your client possibly could not have gotten uh, the, the soft second money because we've advocated for that. We bought mm-hmm. $5 million to to this bank and 10 million for this bank. And we put 
we, we advocated for this bank to become a community development corporation or the Federal Reserve to, to contribute $20,000 for each homeowner. That's what we do on a governmental level. And that's what they okay. see when we post on social media, mm-hmm. you know. And again, we're posting the fun stuff. They see us in the group taking pictures. And yeah, they see the fun stuff, but they don't know the work that was behind all of right, that. Right, right. Yeah. So, this rags, you know. So how do we increase, and that's what She's Free to Fly is about. It's about cross-generational conversations between women, right? And what you're talking about, even in the real estate industry is the lack of cross-generational conversations between women in real estate. So what do you think are some things um, that can be done to increase those conversations to really have the the one-on-one intentional development of a younger generation? I think that brokers like myself, we need to become um, mentors. We, we are running our offices and we are managers right now. We are managing the agent. We are managing okay. the process. We're, we're, we're compliance conscious. Yes. Maybe we just need to stop and mentor these agents about the real mission of our organization. And that okay. is to help people achieve the American dream. Okay. Um, maybe we need to just stop and help them understand the demographics of uh, the population where they work mm-hmm. and or the population where they want to serve. Okay. Um, maybe we need to get them more involved, like I said, politically mm-hmm. and, and give some incentives for them to do that. Invite some of the state reps. They would love to come to your offices. I've done that before. They would okay. love to have the... Um, you know, and we're always telling them uh, what we need. When I say yes. them, um, our elected officials, right. but very rarely. And I've had to say to me that that we go to them and say, what do you need us to do? Because a lot right. of times they have great ideas and great right. initiatives that they need pushed, but they need us on the ground, the foot soldiers. Okay. The people okay. that's in the trenches working to make some noise. To make okay. things happen. And okay. policy, good policy develops from the top up. When it comes okay. from top down, it fizzles out. Okay. And policy has vertical and horizontal consequences. So it may be a good policy, but we don't do a good enough job, a well enough job um, at examining who it hurts in the process. For mm-hmm. instance. Um, none of us like to see the blight in our downtowns. Okay? Right. You've had buildings to sit there for decades, mm-hmm. abused, graffiti. And so a development comes in, they use tax credit money, mm-hmm. they develop it to a work, um, work play area. So you have shopping on the ground floor, right. condos or apartments on the top floor, but we can't afford to even rent them. Right. And we live in the neighborhood. We've been priced out of our own neighborhood. So whereas it's good not to see the blight, it's good to see the development, but now we can't afford. So I can shop and get my nails done on the ground floor, but I can't afford an apartment. Right, right. And we get excited when they come to the neighborhood, right? But we don't think about the long-term effects of pricing us out of the neighborhood. 
and or almost, pricing the next generation out of the neighborhood. Exactly. That's exactly what has happened in almost every development in our cities. We cannot mm. live in our own neighborhoods. So in effect, we are stuck in the houses that we are in. Better make it comfortable because yes. that's where we are. Okay. We have so much. We have had so many natural um, disasters that FEMA is out of money. So they're going to grab everything that they can get to be able to help those people in that particular need. Okay. So there's not enough advocacy for insurance. All right. The infrastructure in our cities are terrible. The roads, okay. the bridges. Yes. Um, yes. Public service. You have you have a population that needs the public transportation, but you have another um, whole set of population that say, not in my backyard, NIMBYism. Mm -hmm. We have schools that don't have passing test scores. So who wants to live in there? Right. Okay. right. Realtors, we can't sell in those neighborhoods. And okay. then you have a black population that's moving out of that neighborhood. They're going right. further out to the suburbs. Now we have the transportation cost of housing. Okay. So they're okay. living further out. But they're right. spending $150 a week on gas mm -hmm. per yes, car. Done that. Okay. All right. And then the neighborhood gets taken over and mm -hmm. the school gets rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And now test scores are up and you go, oh. Yes. And so that's the part that while we are making money as realtors, especially the newer realtors in our business, they don't care about that. And so mm -hmm. maybe if you could just get them to care about one thing or maybe one two, thing. Okay. or maybe if we can just touch 20% of the people in our office, that would be a good goal. But it begins with education. As much yes. emphasis that we put on filling out a contract and not getting sued yes. <laughs> and, and, and mandatory uh, CE, continuing education every year, Let's do yes. some work on advocacy okay. and inclusion okay. and equity. Yes, yes. And let's start having these conversations. This is awesome. This is, this is, this is awesome, 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 awesome. Man, okay. A lot. Now it's I'm tired. I didn't know I was doing all of that. And, I um, know. I mean, you just get up in the morning and you just do and you answer the phones and you, you go to the conventions and you go to Capitol Hill and you have a board meeting and you're recreating or you're redesigning or you're trying to make something better. And you you don't really under you really don't know what you've undertaken until you begin to talk about it like this. Until you begin to talk about it. And I thank you so so much for talking about it um because you and i we did not like go through deep and plan this conversation like this i just know baby if you throw dr danette the ball baby we're gonna do it <laughs> out of here out of here out of here um i thank you so much i thank you so much for being my mentor for being my friend for being my sister um for being somebody that accepts me for who I am, um, for being someone who challenges me, who pushed me off the cliff to go get my doctor's degree. And I just had to fly. And sometimes I get all the way down and I almost hit the ground, but I just, some, and that's because I have women like you in my life. So I'm very, very thankful 
Um, we were texting the other day and we you've been busy, I've been busy, and we got a chance to sit and have lunch. Um I believe on Sunday and after lunch we were talking to our other girlfriend it's three of us and um I said what did I say I said two I said when we sit down and be still together we can move mountains that's right and um you said mountains move mountains mountains move mountains 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 that's right mountains move mountains so ladies let's be mountains and move some more mountains yeah yeah um if there's one piece of information that you want to share with a young woman, whether it be real estate, life, whatever it is, what is that one piece of information that you want to share that can help someone become free to fly? I think that um, I like to share that. Find your one word. So too often we make resolutions at the beginning of the year and it's a paragraph. It's things that we're going to do. Um, and by February, we have fallen off the wagon. Find that right. one word that's going to represent you, what you intend to do or who you are. Okay. okay. Mine is tenacious. Okay. okay. And every year I have a new one word. Find that one word and focus on that one word the entire year. There's a book too. It's a bestseller called One Word. It's a, it's a little skinny book. Somebody blessed it with me. Uh, blessed it to me um, some years ago when I got off the stage speaking and it taught me how to focus on becoming. Okay. And so, um, and becoming that one word that I pick some, some years I pick a word that I really want to become. Some times I pick a word that I am, that I feel that I am um, that year. Find that one word. Okay. That represents you and focus on that one word. Be that word okay it could be gracious it could be kindness it can be inclusive whatever one word yes all right well dr danette thank you again um do you want to share how people can stay connected with you and follow you yes i'm danette o'neill on facebook linkedin twitter instagram um Mm -hmm. snapchat uh, yes. You can reach out to me um, if you Google my name, Danette O'Neill. Um, you'll see our businesses on Google, on Bing, on Yahoo. Um, our offices, our office email is um, DanetteO'Neill.biz. But if you just type in Danette O'Neill, you will get to me. And mm-hmm. I hope something that I said today lit a fire in somebody for them yes. to do more than what they yes. did yesterday. Yes. Every day is a day to become better. Um, Dr. Danette, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Ladies, may your fires be lit. Um, May tomorrow you be better than you were today. I know I wake up thinking every day is a new day to be better. Um, I am just beyond thankful for this opportunity again. And we're going to just close by saying I pray you receive our love. I pray that you feel God's grace and I pray that you share it with others. Um, So this is She's Free to Fly. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, She's Free to Fly. You can listen to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, She's Free to Fly. 
And also you can view the podcast on YouTube, She's Free to Fly podcast, and we drop a new episode every Tuesday morning. So have a wonderful, wonderful day and we love you.